Curiosity. Kill the rat. Curiosity. Kill the rat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Curiosity Killed the Rat. My name is Matt, and I am a science enthusiast. I would like to start this episode by acknowledging that I am speaking from lands traditionally owned by the Noongar people. And joined, as always, I am. Speak like Yoda. I do. I am joined. <laughs> I am joined by my lovely. Present good, you do. Present good. I sometimes am do good. Hello, Kate. Welcome. <laughs> Who are you? Why are you here? Where are you from? Sup. Yeah. <laughs> to here. I am uh, from England. I hail. Uh, like, I, like only because, yeah, I was born there, but that's not the point. I am yes, flex, from England. Okay. I hail, but today... Today I record from lands traditionally owned by the Wawandari people of the Kulin Nation here in Nam or Melbourne, as we call it, Australia. And I am here, I believe, because I was one of the people that decided making this podcast a thing was a good idea. Hey, I think it's um, a good idea. And we have a regular listener base of about 40 or 50 people who also seem to think it was a good idea. A couple of couple of patrons who seem to think it's a good idea. We're, we're doing all right. We're doing yeah, okay. Yeah, cough if you want to support us, Patreon forward slash Curiosity Rat. <laughs> That's um, right. We're starting the episode with the plugs. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was actually, I was talking to my housemate today about mm-hmm. how we need to be better at promoting ourselves and the value that we give and instead of being so passively like you know if you want like we're allowed to say hey what we make is good shit and people find value in it and self-love is important exactly and so none of that really explains why i'm here i'm here and thought that this podcast was a good idea because i am in words and sentences Mm -hmm. because i'm a great communicator i say (laughs) as i fumble my words um great communicator no I I try communicate good, don't always succeed, but what I am, in fact, is a scientist. Um, neuroscientist, I do research on the brain, which makes me vaguely qualified to talk about today's topic, because today's topic is something that really excites me, and I think will excite you, Matt. Okay, because go on. it's the perfect combination of, like... So for people that haven't listened to this show before, like... You know, yes, you describe yourself as a science enthusiast, but let's be real. If you had to pick a science, it would be physics, That's right? True. I just want to insert that, that, that meme of Willem Dafoe going like, You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. <laughs> I use that meme with such frequency, you've got no idea. <laughs> As a GIF reply mm. to just so many messages. Mm. Um, no, yes. If, um, if in, there is an alternate timeline out there where I pursue physics Mm. specifically i i really like astronomy and that but physics in general is my is my science of choice yeah well i mean you say astronomy but then also the somewhat you know direction you took in further education was in sound which is is in a sense physics which is waves which i think is more related to what i'm going to talk about today i did quite like the uh, the physics of sound yeah, similar vibe in in a sense. Um, but yeah, today's topic is a combination of not just that, but it's also neuroscience. Uh, oh, what? which 
Huh, fantastic. Slash a little bit of psychology. What is this, a um, crossover episode? Right? Uh, <laughs> psychology, which we both vibe as a concept. And also maybe a little bit of philosophy, which uh, we both vibe hard, as a Go hard, son. I'm um, down. This, this topic... It has everything, folks. And you like you already know what it is because it's probably the episode description. So we're talking about color. Color. As a concept, color. Yeah. So like color can be, you know, is it a physical thing mm-hmm. that exists? Is it is it like how our brains perceive it? Is it is mm-hmm. it what our brains do with the message that we receive from things? Mm-hmm. How do I know that your red is the same as my red? Oh, like man, that was we a can question go that so many places. Year five me. I like I lost <laughs> sleep over that shit, man. Yeah, that's like that's the question, right? That's the one that mm-hmm. made us go, well, shit, <laughs> fuck. I don't know, eh? Um, and I, yeah, you know, I don't know if I have an answer to that question, but I certainly have a lot to say about color ranging from physics mm-hmm. to biology to, cool, all sorts of things. I'm curious. So, I'm curious to know. Um, what avenues you go with this because it is such a broad topic for what is such Mate. a uh, narrow spectrum from what we see. That's right. I know some things. I did physics Ooh, in year 12. You know, so maybe we should... <laughs> I kind of have somewhat of a plan in how I want to mm-hmm. do this, but also I kind of want to do the thing where I acknowledge that, like... If you guys didn't listen to last episode, this is kind of throwback where, like, you're the Watson of the episode, you're the, <laughs> aka the stand in of the audience. And I I'm am like, the I kind of want to know where my audience is at. I want to mm-hmm. know what you know. Like, I want to do the thing where I'm like, tell me mm-hmm. what you already know. That's and then the I'm thing. like, but then that might be a spoiler for later. That's like, true. That's true. And that's the thing. In, in this case, I could be not the most reliable Watson for this because I might have more knowledge about mm. color than the regular average Joe because of my interest in this topic. So we could go, you talk about the thing and I go, yeah, I knew that, but hey, that's hype as fuck. Um, Or I could say what I know. It just depends. Do you want me revealing the things or you revealing the things? Because the things that I know might be inaccurate. And you could I know, and me. that's always fun. I always love it when you're like, yes, I know this. And then you <laughs> say something and I'm like, cute, but. Um, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, um actually. <laughs> Not because I love correcting you, but because I love having the chance to correct false information. That's it. I, I, you know? I like, like the there's idea. There's so much misinformation out there. I love, I love it when you when correct me on stuff because stuff. I, yeah. you know. I, I don't want to be misinformed and it's mm. good to know when I am misinformed so then I can mm. be informed. Yeah, like it's not like a superiority thing where I want to be like, hello, oh, I know more than you. Look at mm. all my degrees. Look at how many years I wasted studying this shit. <laughs> um, like it's it's like not about that at all. It's about me wanting mm. to be like, hey, you've been falsely informed and trust me, I poured the blood, sweat and tears into making sure what I know <laughs> is true. Can you please just believe me when I tell you that the climate is warming and we need to do something about it? Also, vaccines are safe. Please go get one. Oh my God. I work in the country <gasps> and I got into a massive debate with one of the local shopkeepers over vaccines and it made my blood boil. But that's a story for another day. Anyway, color. Yes, color. <laughs> So, right, okay, to break it down into its most, like, sort of fundamental form, colours are the way we see light, right? And light of different wibbly-wobbly speeds. Yes. (laughs) Because as we all 
kind of know. Mm. So before we before we even touch color, we kind of need to start very basic and just start with like light, right? Yep. Because there may, you know, you may be sitting there being like, yeah, well, this is obvious. But like the, the point, once again, the point of this mm. podcast is for anyone and everyone who loves science and may not, may not know shit at mm. all. And like, so I need to just say that like light is a wave. Mm. Asterisk. <laughs> yeah, because it's weird. Light is weird, right? Where it like somehow mm. acts as both a particle and a wave, which I don't fucking get. It's been proven and there's quantum shit behind it, but I still yep. don't yep. like, 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 like I know it, but I don't understand it. And I don't and expect you know what? to understand it by the end of this episode, but it's something that I do accept, you know? You know what? I don't understand it either. I am not a <laughs> physicist. I am not a physicist by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. I am a neuroscientist with a, you know, decent level understanding of physics or especially physics that is relevant to neuroscience, mm. such as like light and vision and all of that sort of shit that mm -hmm. we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, but this whole like wave particle duality thing, I'm a gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be straight up honest and say to you that it is just a, just a thing that I accept. Yeah. And for this podcast, I'm going to need you to just, like, accept that. And honestly, I don't even need you to accept that. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now that, like, also, by the way, it's a particle. Those particles, we call them photons. Mm -hmm. Those are what react with the receptors in our eye that cause vision. We'll talk about those later. Mm -hmm. But for color specifically, we don't, we, we don't care about photons. We, we care, care about, about waves. waves. We care about waves because what makes different colors different is something called wavelength and mm. wavelength as it sounds is is the length of a wave mm. so like if you think of a wave whether you're thinking of like a wave in the ocean you know there's there's several waves that come after one another but like you know the easiest version is to you know picture a piece of string that someone's like wiggling the end of or like mm -hmm. a skipping rope or whatever and it forms those like waves you know we know we all know what sound waves look like yeah. what light waves apparently look like, you know, and, and the wavelength is essentially the, the, the distance between each wave peak or it's the frequency of the wave or whatever. Frequency well, of the it's wave. kind of like the inverse of the frequency, right? So the shorter the wavelength, mm. um, the higher the frequency, yeah. the longer the wavelength, the, you know, because you get, you peaks happen more yeah. frequently when the wavelength is shorter. Yeah. Peaks happen less frequently as the wavelength is longer. Yes. And so, like, light is is kind of part of what we call electromagnetic radiation, which mm. you know is a is a massive spectrum. spectrum. Yeah, that it, ranges... it goes all the way from like microwaves down at the bottom end of it, the really long ends, and then like right at the top end, you have like X rays and gamma rays and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say close, but so yeah, from from shortest to longest, mm. you've got your gamma rays are your shortest yeah. uh, wave. Did I did I say like that highest. the Did I say that the wrong no, way? No, no, you said it the right way okay. around. I'm just saying it the other way. <laughs> right. We'll say it the way you said it. So from like longest to shortest, or mm. like lowest frequency to highest frequency. Lowest mm. frequency, you've got radio waves, which right. are the longest wavelength, and then you got microwaves, and then you got infrared. And then you've got the visible light spectrum, and then you've got ultraviolet, and then you've got X-ray, mm -hmm. and then you've got gamma ray, which are your shortest and highest frequency. Yeah. Right? And so visible light, as like, as you can hear by that long light, like, is a very small portion yeah. of that, right? That's from 400 to 700 nanometers. We have this, what's the word when you've got all the letters and it's stamped? Ac acronym? No. Initials? Yes? 
Oh, oh no, I think acronym, acronym. is the right yeah, word. Acronym. No, yeah. Sorry, Acronym's folks. Correct. My brain just fell straight out of its skull, <laughs> rolled along the ground, and fell into a little puddle. <laughs> we have an acronym, which is Roy G. Biv, that you might have heard, which stands for like red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And that's like the order of colors from like lowest frequency to highest frequency. Now sing that AKA, in the tune like, of the rainbow song. Longest wavelength to shortest <laughs> wavelength. Um, yeah. And that's like, your visible light spectrum from 100 mm. to 700 nanometers. And everything else is invisible to us. Mm. Asterisk. I can so, never remember the order of all the stuff in the middle, but I always remember that red is the longest because lower than that is infrared and violet is the highest because above yeah. that is ultraviolet. So it yeah, kind of makes yeah, sense yeah. where the ends of each, um, where each end of the visible spectrum is. Um, yes. At least that's yeah, how no, I remember exactly. it. The it's stuff an, in the middle, that's whatever. That's an easy way but, to... And then yeah. in between, it's just like a rainbowish thing, yeah. which is fine. Um, but then I say everything outside that is invisible to us, asterisk. And the reason I say asterisk is because, like, well, first of all, some animals can see ultraviolet or UV yeah, right. light. And some people can actually see UV light. And this oh, is, like, extremely what? rare. And it's, like, it's generally a thing that happens after, like, if you have some kinds of surgery and it messes up your, you know, color vision and then, you know, what your cells end up being receptive to ends up more in the ultraviolet range. And mm. it sounds like a kind of really cool superpower, but apparently it's actually just super annoying and distorts Aww. your ability to see other colors and it's, it's not ideal. But it's a thing that, like, you know these things can change and like, it's not a hard and fast rule that every single human can see between exactly this nanometer mm. of wavelength and exactly this nanometer. Of it's wavelength. just sort of a rough average estimate based on what most people. Yeah. And like when I talk about later, I'll talk about the specific receptors that can pick up different wavelengths or that mm. are sensitive, more sensitive to specific different wavelengths that's definitely you know, where my knowledge starts to lack because i know cones and rods and that's yeah. about where it ends <laughs> and that's where my knowledge starts to deepen because like i learned so much of this <laughs> in undergrad that like most of this is actually just going off stuff that i just already know and it's fantastic and i'm excited to talk about it but i'm excited to learn we're not at the neuroscience yet we're still in the physics yes. so but the point is when we get to the neuroscience what people are sensitive to, like we kind of have a generally these are the wavelengths, but it can change depending like between people. So everything is, you know, it kind of gets to that philosophical, you know, back to that philosophical mm. question is my red, your red, like what we've all learned to describe as red may or may not be the same thing, but also what we pick up with our eyes as red is the may same. actually be different oh okay then Between that's the people. opposite of what i said yeah <laughs> right i mean like slightly different not like hugely different because what i would have thought right is that because what defines red or how we define red is within a certain nanometer to a certain nanometer um mm -hmm. wavelength um, and then the thing that differs from person to person is our perception and our mm -hmm. brain chemistry and our eyes and all that sort of stuff. So how we all perceive the world internally could be different. And there's no way to really prove that one way or the other, because 
we can only ever really know our own perception, what yeah. the external force that goes into that, surely that is objective and we can prove that because we're defining it using specific measurements. Yes. So what's being quote unquote reflected, we'll get to, we'll get to that, like, you know, as a color or what our eyes are receiving as a signal mm. is going to be, you know, objective, universal, but what you're like at the level of your eyeball, what mm. your eyeball is interpreting that signal as may be different between people. And right. I'll, but I'll get to that. Okay. That's, okay. You know, I'm jumping, jumping ahead. ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Jumping way ahead. Because like, okay, we kind of understand that like there's a very small portion of all these wavy, you know, electromagnetic waves that we can see and interpret as, as like light, which mm. is whack. But like <laughs> what makes some things seem some colours and not other colours and, you know, all of this, once again, you might be sitting there being like, this is super basic, but I think it's, it's important to refresh on anyway. Yeah. So like surfaces, they're going to absorb some light and reflect some light, right? We kind of know that as yeah. a fact. And, you know, this depends on the properties of the material. That's what determines what gets absorbed and what gets reflected, like paints or dyes or whatever. They have these things called pigments in them and pigments absorb some wavelengths of light mm. and reflect others. And that's just kind of what it is. Is. So something so then, that's like the color green, for example, absorbs all of the wavelengths mm -hmm. of color except for the color green, which bounces yeah. back off it and into your eyes. That's what AKA makes, a leaf. Yeah. That's right? What, a leaf absorbs essentially everything but green, which is reflected. Which is why, yeah. yes, if you see, I don't know which previous episode, but we had yeah. an episode about grow lights and how yeah. they tend to be red and and blue mm. light and that's for a very specific reason is that like those are the wavelengths of light that get used for photosynthesis plants don't really use green light for photosynthesis mm. and we know that because they reflect the green yeah. light and we know that because they look green and that's to us and that's why black things look black because they absorb all of the colors of light and that's why black things get warmer because they're absorbing, absorbing exactly. more light, thus more energy, thus can heat up. Exactly. Because, you know, once again, en energy cannot be created or destroyed. So thing light that's not reflected, like what mm. happens to it, it turns into heat energy. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what happens to that light energy that gets absorbed, except for in the case of like fluorescence, for example, and I'll get to that. Ooh. Fluorescence is a cool case, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. Okay. But yeah, like you raise a good point in terms of like leaves, for example, right? Mm. But, like, there's no sort of inherent, quote-unquote, greenness to that leaf, right? It's just... Yeah. What we see as green is just the wavelength of light that the material, aka the chlorophyll specifically, within the cells of, of those true. leaves reflects. So if there was no light, that leaf would not be green, right? Because the no. greenness of that leaf is just defined by the light going off it into our yes. eyes. Oh, God, that's interesting. <laughs> no, okay, so you raise here what is actually, like, a really cool point, and it's that the colour something looks has not only to do with its reflective properties, but the properties of the light that is 
illuminating it. Mm. So let's, so you kind of, you talked about black, which is what absorbs all wavelengths of light. Let's talk about the opposite of that. Let's talk about white, right? White light, you may have heard, is the combination of like all wavelengths of light. And if you're looking at like a white sheet of paper, it looks white because the sun, which is pretty much white light because the sun emits like all wavelengths and Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to look white to you because it reflects all of that back to your eyes and your mm-hmm. brain interprets that as white. And we'll explain mm-hmm. later, like, why that's the case. But just accept for the moment that all wavelengths equals white. Yeah. But, like, if you shine a green light on a white piece of paper, it's going to look green. Like, it's yeah. not going to look white because the only wavelength it is reflecting back at you is green. Yeah. And so your eyes just pick up green Mm. yeah so if you're then just reflecting green light on a white piece of paper are you then turning that into a green piece of paper theoretically maybe one could define if you wanted to be a dick about it i mean if you wanted to be a dick about it but i think the way (laughs) we define the color of objects or dyes or paints is what color do they appear when you reflect all all, wavelengths of light are shone at them i don't know i'm not an artist or a whoever (laughs) is in charge of defining what a pigment is but i would assume that part of the definition involves if you hypothetically hit it with all wavelengths, what does it absorb? What does Mm. it reflect? This kind of raises an interesting point about like, you know, if we're talking about the physical properties of color and like, you know, first we thought we could define it as the wavelength that, you know, is reflected by the object. If we're talking about like the object of color, you know, if we're talking about these physical properties of, of, of color, you've got to talk about color mixing. Okay. Right? Because, I mean, you, you've you learned, right, that, like, in, in I don't know, primary school, probably, that the three primary colours of paint are, are what? Uh, red, blue, and yellow. And uh, yes. I was going to say green, but not green, <laughs> because blue and yellow make green. So red, blue, and yellow. Yeah. But, but you would be right in saying that green is a primary colour in the mm. sense that when you're talking about the primary colours of light, you've got red green and blue Mm. right and i don't know if you this is where i hate that we have an audio mediums because i'd love to show like a picture but i'm sure we've all seen those like intersecting three-way venn diagrams of like primary colors where you add light and when you add all three like red green and blue light you get your white light in the middle yeah and then you know you add green and red and you get yellow and like the primary colors for light are different to the primary colors for paint or dye or whatever which is why like tv screens or computer screens when you zoom real in just have lots of little pixels that display either red green Mm. or blue is that right? Red, yeah, green, and yeah, the, red, yeah, green, yeah. red, green, and, and blue. And there's a very, very specific reason for that, and mm. I will explain that in a moment. But yeah, do you want to know like like why it's different adding light colors versus adding? Yeah, paint I've colors? always wondered that because it's just kind of fucky, right? Like, why do we have two different color things? Like, why does it work different for pigments as it than yeah. it does for? waves i would love to see i wanted to know this as well and it makes so much sense and i love when things make sense so i really Mm -hmm. hope that i can explain this in a way that makes sense to everyone else um because for me i was just like oh shit yeah of course okay so if we accept like the premise that like what we perceive as the color of an object is the wavelength that gets reflected from it 
into our eyes. That's yep. as far as we need to know. We don't need to happen know what happens beyond that. But if yep. we just accept that that wavelength of light is the color mm-hmm. of something, right? Then, okay. So what we get is two very different types of color mixing, which is additive or subtractive right. color mixing. Okay. And so, first of all, additive color mixing is what you get when you mix light because additive color mixing creates a new color by adding sets of wavelengths like this this makes this makes perfect sense you've got a red light mm-hmm. you've got a green light mm-hmm. you mix them together and shine them both like next to like together yeah what your eye picks up is both red wavelengths and green wavelengths mm-hmm. they add together to make yellow i'll explain later why they add together to cool. make yellow but I just trust me yep. i don't know why but i'm accepting this if that's confusing, a very easy example is like you mix all of the light and get white. We've right, already accepted yeah, that that's a thing, right? Yeah. So you mix all of the light because you've got all of the wavelengths together. Mm-hmm. Your eye is accepting all of them. It's additive and it's white. Yeah. Now you've got subtractive color mixing, which creates new colors by making fewer wavelengths hit our eyes. So when you mix paints, right... The way paints work is that they absorb wavelengths, like some wavelengths of light, and reflect others. So paints will still absorb all of the wavelengths that they previously did. Mm-hmm. So when we mix all of the paints together, you like, get we don't get brown white or black. In fact, you get like black because yeah. you've mixed all of the absorption pigments together, oh. and there's nothing left to reflect to the eye. Oh, that makes total sense. Look, right? I just had a. You saw me react yeah. over the camera that I that you saw the moment I realized. I saw the moment. I had to hold my tongue so you could keep talking. I know, to but... let me finish it. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? Uh, Don't worry. I had the same, like, <laughs> holy shit. Yes. Um, okay. All this time I've just kind of accepted it as this, like, freaky physics phenomenon. But, like, no shit, it actually makes, it actually, it actually tracks. Yep. No, that makes total sense. And so kind of the last thing that I want to talk about before I kind of, pull us into the land of biology because, mm-hmm. oh, I'm excited, but I'm, I'll am i get there. And I kind of, you know, vaguely talked about it before, is the concept of fluorescence. Yes, fluorescence. Because fluorescence is when colour gets fucky in the sense that, like, fluorescent objects are really cool and I... I get excited because I spent a lot of time using a fluorescent microscope. and So, so fluorescence, I'm trying to remember... I, I always get fluorescence mixed up with phosphorescence. So is fluorescence uh-huh. glow-in-the-dark shit? So fluorescence or is, is that essentially... I think, like, phosphorescence is glow-in-the-dark. Right. But I, I feel like that's a subset of fluorescence. So fluorescence is essentially when a material absorbs a wavelength of light mm. and then emits a different wavelength of light. Okay. Right? Of a, of a lower energy level because you're going to get some energy right. lost there, right? So you hit it with, like, blue light, it's going to fluoresce green, okay. right? That's kind of what we're talking. Yeah. Um, Phosphorescence. Phos- <laughs> phosphorescence. That's glow-in-the-dark object. So if you have a glow-in-the-dark object, the material that it's made of, like, the shape, the, like, chemical structure of the chemicals that that, that mm. thing is made of... They're 
quote unquote, I, I don't know if fluorescence technically applies here, but the way they work is once again, they absorb some wavelengths of light mm. kind of, and then, and then release like emit yeah. wavelengths of light, but they do it really slowly. So it kind uh, of looks so- like they charge during the day and then glow at night. But essentially what they're doing is they're taking the sunlight or the light from your light globe or whatever and then re-emitting it at mm. a different wavelength, similar to fluorescence, um, really slowly. So, what so it would looks be, like they glow. And, you know... What would be an sorry. example of something fluorescent that is not phosphorescent? Well, I mean, first of all, what I use the microscope for, mm. um, where we tag, we use antibodies and something called immunohistochemistry to tag things with fluorophores mm-hmm. that we can... Essentially, so the way it works, it's really freaking cool. You can like, say you're looking for, I don't know, what's your molecule of interest? Say you're looking for dopamine. I don't know. You look like a dopamine kind of guy. Um, <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know what, what to that's make supposed that. to mean. <laughs> Maybe it's because you just, you make dope memes. I don't know. Um, let's say you're looking for dopamine. Sure. Cool. And and you want to find which part of the brain in your, like, slice of brain tissue, which of those, you know, because the brain's made up of lots of different little parts, you know, which part of that brain is emitting dopamine, is Mm -hmm. producing dopamine, is, you know, we want to find dopamine in the brain. So what you do is you tag your dopamine with like an antibody that's got something called a fluorophore attached. And let's say you want that dopamine to like, when you, when you look at it under a microscope, you want it to fluoresce bright green okay. because we love bright green. It's a good color. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, you're going to tag it with something called a 488 fluorophore. And of what course. that 488 actually means is like that's four, 488 nanometers, which doesn't refer to green light. 488 is actually like blue light okay. because the way fluorescence works is you want to shine blue light at that tissue sample and those 488 fluorophores are going to absorb that blue light. Mm -hmm. They're going to lose a little bit of energy and then they're going to emit it back out as green light. And then your microscope is going to pick up that fluorescent green signal and go, hey, this is where your dopamine's at. Right, okay. Isn't that cool? That's very cool. And so you can use different fluorophores of different wavelengths so you can like you know, tag different things. So you want to find the cells that emit both dopamine and serotonin, or you want to find, you know, I don't know, a whole bunch of different things. You can like tag them different colors and you can like create fluorescent maps of what's going on in the brain. Man, that Um, would look incredibly psychedelic, I feel. This is, this is what I do. This is why I spend hours (laughs) in a dark room with a confocal microscope. It's mad cool. Um, Would another example of that be like, um, fluorescence, but. When you anyway. sh- would another mm. example of that be when you shine a UV light over something um, that you can't see with your normal eyes, but then it glows underneath a UV light. Yeah. You turn the UV yeah. light and it goes away. So an ultraviolet yeah. light is going shining down on that thing. It loses a bit of energy exactly. and shines back as a blue light or a violet yeah. light. Okay, cool. And that's and like that like that's how highlighters work and like that high vis fluoro yellow mm. highlighter it actually absorbs 
ultraviolet light like right. from the atmosphere around and that's what makes it just seem that little bit brighter yeah. because if you hit that thing with like a black light with an with a uv torch mm. or whatever like it's going to flip and glow it's going to fluoresce because that's exactly what right. it's doing it's it's absorbing ultraviolet wavelengths light mm. and it's emitting it as fluorescence and you can actually do this like mad cool experiment this is this is not what I planned on talking about. We're going to talk about it anyway because <laughs> it's all color. You can do this mad cool experiment where you get like a like a beaker of water, right? Mm. And you get like a yellow highlighter, and you you take out. You know how I don't know if you've ever pulled apart a highlighter, but they have those like squishy pads with yeah, all yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. the chemical, the 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 highlighter chemical, and you, ink. you put a couple of little drops of that highlighter ink into the water okay. and it'll disperse so much that you you can't see it right it, it just looks like clear water like you don't need very much of it but then you get like a little uv torch and you shine a light and it looks like a beam like a solid oh, beam that runs through what? because as that beam of light runs through all of the little like fluorescent molecules that are kind of dispersed within that water are going to absorb the UV light and then, oh like, God. emit the fluorescent signal. And you can see it. Oh, that's fun. That's very that's so fun. That's cool, right? Another fun experiment so, people can do at home if you have access to a UV light. Yeah. Uh, tonic water. The quinine and oh, tonic yes. water. Yeah, the quinine and tonic water, which is why UV often light. at bars they'll make gin and tonics and stuff because it seems futuristic yeah. and whack because it's the same thing. It's absorbing that ultraviolet mm. light and it's emitting it like a blue color. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's you fun. know, those are examples of fluorescence that aren't... Aren't phosphorescent. Yes. No, and like yes. another another completely different example is glow sticks. And that's a type yeah. of like chemical where you like... I would like, have thought a glow, glow stick glow would sticks, be phosphorescent because it's slowly releasing that over time. Uh, no, because phosphorescence refers the refers to it absorbs like the the light from. Oh the right, sun you need to like charge it up. Whereas a glow stick, you charge you just it up with light. It whereas a glow stick, it's a chemical reaction yeah. where by breaking it, you cause certain chemicals to mix, and that causes a chemical reaction that creates a like fluorescent kind of glow. Right, and so it's a different thing again. Um, and so like yes, color is is. is the wavelength that something reflects as opposed to absorbs, but like, holy shit, it's, it's complex. And that's just like the <laughs> physics side of it. Oh, let's, let's dive talk about into like how bio. we actually even, how do we actually even experience it? Let's go. Let me, let me bring you into so much of my undergraduate degree. This topic came up so much. You have no idea. The psychology subjects loved it. The neuroscience subjects loved it. And you know why? It's fucking fascinating. Mm. Like, holy shit. The way that we can just, like, experience the world around us because of these, like, wiggly light waves and <laughs> some little, like, cells in our eyes. Like, holy cunt nuggets. Like, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Yep. So, photons of light. This is where I've kind of brought it back to particles. But, like, you know, it's because it kind of, on a molecular level, the way mm. our photoreceptors, so the, sept the, the receptors, the little cells, that like are you know on on the back of the eye the way that they transmit like turn a light signal into an electrical impulse because mm -hmm. as we are all hopefully aware our brain works via electrical signals right yes. and somewhere somehow that like light wave needs to turn into electricity mm -hmm. and the way it does that is that like per like photon that hits this 
cool chemical change happens. It's a whole, I could do a whole episode on the process of, it's called phototransduction and it's just understanding the molecular biology of just that very simple process and how many things need to go right. Yeah. Just like that alone blows my mind as a concept. Um, but we don't have time for that. So I'm just <laughs> going to have to ask you to accept right. that our eyes are magic <laughs> and that they're able to turn photons of light, wavelengths of light into electrical signals that our brain goes, hey, I see a world around us and we perceive things. It's, it's, it's wildly cool. But... What I will tell you, the detail I will go into, at the level of photoreceptors, so on our retina, which is the layer at the back of our eye that mm-hmm. has all the neuros, neural cells, the photoreceptors that can do the magic and turn the light into the electricity, mm-hmm. they're the cool kids. There are two, broadly, two different types of those. You may have heard of this before. We've got rods and we've got cones. Do you yes. know about rods and cones? I know about rods and cones. I know one of them sees color and the other doesn't, and that's about where my knowledge ends. I couldn't even tell you Beautiful. which one is which. Okay, well, so that's I can why tell you I know that, that like correct. in your peripheral vision, theoretically, you don't see color, but we kind of make up color based on context with that. That's yeah, also gosh, I've there's heard. so much I could go into there. And then also, I think in a previous episode, it was our music in the brain episode. Our mm. listener question was on dog vision and dogs being able to see in the dark yeah. or at least see better in the dark than humans can. Mm. It's because they have more rods. Those are the non-color ones. Right. The light, you know. Um, and we can also talk about how the fact that, you know, dogs are kind of colorblind, but not really. We'll get to that later. Go back and listen to that episode. It's a fun one. It's a good episode. But, you know, yes, you are correct. We have two. Rods and cones. Rods for night vision. They were like, they mm. see in black and white, but they're very sensitive to low levels of light. And also, yeah, there's more of them in that is the why, periphery. That, that makes sense. Because I notice when I do night walks in the dark, night vision the world seems like it's in black and white when you're just yeah, walking. Yeah, it's because moonlight. your cones, yeah. which are the ones that can tell color, like they 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 ain't getting nothing. Um, mm. It's your rods that are sensitive to that low level light. Yeah, right. But they and but they can only tell you like yes or no light, present, not right. present, or like how much, Binary like signal. on or off, right? Black and white, like how mm. much of it is there? Shades of gray, sure, but like they, it can't differentiate what those wavelengths are. It In can just sound tell you terms, it can tell present, you amplitude not and not frequency for mm, any I the guess niche I, that's audience another, of sound geeks out I mean, there. another aspect of like the physical aspect of color I didn't really mention is that you can. You can, and some people do, define color on, like, a three-dimensional spectrum. So Ooh. two of those dimensions are, like, the, the the color, like, wavelength, but then the other one is, like, how bright or dark yeah. it is. Like, you know, how much, like, the intensity, mm. like, of that light. Of course. And so rods can pick that up, like, how light or dark, mm. how much or little. But they but don't pick up differentiate. Color different wavelengths wavelengths no. yeah 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 no. um so like they're cool they're they you know they 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 serve their purpose but we're mm-hmm. not talking about them today because they don't they don't they don't care about that's color. it we've just covered rods that's it done don't need to know <laughs> anything else about them not true you could dedicate your life to studying rods and I'd still respect <laughs> you because they're very cool but they just don't they just already this is going to be a long episode we don't need more um <laughs> let's talk about the cones Let's talk because we're talk talking about, about color, right? We're talking about color. This is yeah. an episode on color. Cones are the things that but see color. Also, like, kind of before we do talk <laughs> about cones, I want to talk about the fact that, like, we pretty much figured it out 
a good century before we figured it out. How, what do you mean so, by that? So, like, we pretty much figured out. So the thing about cones, the thing about cones that you do need to know before we stop talking about cones for a little bit is that we have three of them. Uh-huh. Right? And we, okay. a short, a medium, and a long wavelength they generally get referred to as like blue, green, and red, but that's a bit iffy, and I'll I'll explain that that's, in a little bit. This is but news it's to using. Me. I had no idea that we had three different types of cones. Oh, okay. Well, so yes, we have three different types of cones. Like we don't, you know, because we can see so many colors. We can mm. see so many colors. But if we had an individual receptor type mm. for every one of those colors. Like that would be nuts. That doesn't fit in the eye. Mm. Like eyes aren't big, man. Like We're where not are you going to put all the shrimp? No, no. Mantis shrimps that have 16 different types <laughs> yeah. of cones, but we'll get there. Um, no, we have three. We have three different types of cones, and using those three different types of cones, we can literally perceive every single colour that we perceive. Right. And, you know, once again, that's kind of why in television we have, you know, red, green, and blue, yeah. and you can that use red, sense, green, and blue. Because that's long, free, uh, long wavelength, middle mm-hmm. wavelength, and short yep. wavelength. Yep, exactly. Um... And so, like, we figured out, so before we kind of were able to cut open an eye, well, I mean, I guess we were cutting open eyes, but before we were (laughs) able to actually be like, hey, look at this retina, there are three different types of cones, and hey, look, they're sensitive to these three different Mm. wavelengths. Like, a hundred years before we were able to, like, biologically show that, we kind of figured out that that's what was going on. Mm. Um, Which, to me, is just wild. So, essentially, it's called... The trichromatic, makes sense, yeah. theory of color, mm-hmm. also known as the Young-Helmholtz theory because two different people, Young and Helmholtz, both mm-hmm. kind of like worked on this. And so like in the 19th century. So the 1800s. Yeah. So it began when Thomas Young proposed that color vision results from the action of three different receptors in the eye as early as 1802. Yeah, right. Young suggested that the eye contained these different cells that were sensitive to different wavelengths of light in the visible spectrum. And then, like, later in the mid-1800s, Hermann von Helmholtz, I don't know why I felt the need to say it like that, but I did, <laughs> don't judge me on it, Um, expanded on this, like, theory by suggesting that these receptors in the eye were sh- sensitive to either like short wavelength, i.e. blue, medium mm. wavelength, i.e. green, or long wavelength, i.e. red, mm-hmm. light. Right. And then he discovered that for people with like normal color vision, so we're just going to ignore color blindness as a concept for a hot second because that confuses things, but I will touch on it. Mm-hmm. Um, normal color vision, people will try chromatic vision. He did these really clever experiments called color matching experiments where essentially what you do is you like you show people a test color mm-hmm. and they're like hey you need to make this color here on the right which you can control i want you to make it like change it so that it looks the same as this one here on the left okay and you've got three dials that you can turn and each of them are going to change the intensity of like red light mm-hmm. green light and blue light okay and he found that people could create, like, match every single test color just by changing the intensities and the contributions of these three different primary light colors. Huh. And so that using just these three colors of light, you can recreate every color. He tried it with two colors. Yeah. You couldn't do it. I feel like I've you seen that on You can't do it with just two colors. You need three. Like, when you're, 
with, with, with picking colors on like various programs, like on MS Paint or something like that, like they give you a three color dial thing and you mm-hmm. dial it in to pick a color. And I find Well, it, that's because the pixels in your computer yeah. screen are literally made up of three different colors. Green, red, they and blue. They don't need to make more. Like, if they had to put yeah. hundreds in there, like, computers would be worth hell of a lot more money. But, mm. like, computers, TVs, all of them, they use those three colours and they can recreate with those three colours everything that we can see. That's that's fucked. That's 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 crazy. Yeah, what? and you do it with two, can't do it. Do it with one, definitely can't do it. Like, imagine if you just had a red knob and someone's showing you, like, mm. green and it's like, adjust this red knob until the red looks like the green. Like, you can't fucking do it. Yeah. Like, you can't. But mm. using three, you can do it. So... Why? Because in our <laughs> eyes, we have the three. We essentially have three receptors, and so everything we see is our brain turns that into some combination of short, long, and medium. Like our brain is doing that. Our brain has three dials that the universe is turning. But the oh, the way that works is really really cool, and we we will we will get to it. I'm waiting. But remember, we're still we're still back. We haven't actually proven this yet. We haven't discovered these in the eye. And so there's kind of another important theory that, like, I don't want to go into super detail or spend too much time on because it can get, you know, turns out the nervous system is really fucking complicated. Who guessed? Um, <laughs> and, you know, things, things get fucky-wucky if we go too hard. But I can't not mention mm-hmm. something called opponent process theory and anyone that's done any undergraduate psychology is going to be like oh this shit again yeah and it's traditionally this so this theory traditionally was seen as like a competing theory with the theory of trichromatic okay trichromatic color right this this theory does hold up in the sense that we think it just happens later in the processing system so like later beyond the photoreceptors once this signal has become an electrical impulse, our brain takes this stuff into account. So if you think about it, right, whenever we think about colours, we always think about, like, four colours, right? Red, green, yellow, blue. Yeah. The four Hogwarts houses, of course. Right? Like, and just psychologically, for some reason, that makes sense as, like, you know, we would define those as different Mm. colours. Yeah. You know, we can kind of define orange as like a lighter red or a darker yellow or whatever, mm. but like red, but green, blue. But there's a blue. distinction between red and yellow at least, you know. Yeah. This opponent process theory is best illustrated by something called the after image effect that I'm, yeah, I'm going to try explain it because I'm sure we've all seen the, the the visual illusions that cause this. And it's where you like, they get you to stare at a screen generally at like a black X or something in the middle and everything's in like negative colors, yeah. right? Yeah. And you stare at it for like a you know number of seconds, mm-hmm. and then you stare at like a white wall or a yeah. white screen, white light essentially. And then you, you stare can at see the image in positive, but in real on color, that white yes. surface. Yeah. Yes, that I'm aware of. Trichromatic this. color theory does not explain how the fuck that works. Yeah. No. True. Yes. Correct. Right? Yes. The actual what? Um, and so like, they often do this with like a flag is a very common way to do this. So like, for example, with the Australian flag, mm-hmm. where all the blue in the flag is or in the American flag, mm-hmm. a lot of flags have blue in them. Let's be honest. Blue is a good example here. Where blue would normally be shown, you'd see like a bright yellow. Yeah. And then when you stare at the white light afterwards, it you appears. see it's blue. Yeah. D- mm-hmm. Don't and it's know because why. Blue and yellow. <laughs> 
are Opposite. opponent colors. Yes. And green and red are opponent colors. Yes. So, like, this theory of opponent process and that, like, colors exist in pairs mm. that oppose I've, each I've other. I've definitely, like, seen proposed... this idea, like, they, they use it a lot in, like, film making and, and a lot when it comes to mm. color grading films and stuff. Like, you'll notice a lot of um, trailers for big Hollywood films and film posters tend to be, like, blue and yellow and like that's the color scheme mm. that's the vibe or they'll be red and green but more commonly blue and yellow um a very very common mm. yeah and it's it's because in our nervous system beyond the level of our cones like we we do this weird thing where we we process those as opponent colors mm. and like i'm gonna go back to my example of this like after image effect because i think this is the easiest way to conceptualize this without like overcomplicating it okay and i can use an analogy that makes sense to my brain mm. and therefore it's going to make sense to everyone else of right course. that's how this works <laughs> um that's all right i'm so, your translator yeah this this theory was first proposed by a guy named Ewald, is that how you pronounce that? Sorry, Ewald, Ewald <laughs> Herring, Hearing. I don't know why I say these names and then butcher them. Why do I do this to myself? It's a situation. At least you're doing your best to give credit to those. I'm trying. I'm trying. So, and I, you know, I talked about Young and Helmholtz, so I thought I'd give this guy a shout out. Uh-huh. And he essentially figured out, yeah, that this color vision works in pairs. Green opposes red, yellow opposes blue. Yeah. And so the idea of this after image is that when we stare at one color for a period of time without, you know, changing. So mm. like the yellow in the flag, in the, the opposite of the flag, the brain goes, all right, like I, I I don't need to keep telling you every millisecond this thing is yellow. Like it's yellow, mm-hmm. it's not changing. So like if you, so the analogy that makes sense in my brain, so you've got guards, you've got four guards standing watch for blue, yellow, green, and red, right? Mm-hmm. You've got yellow there. The yellow guard, and it's initially like, hey, yellow, 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 look, I see yeah. yellow. By the way, you're looking at yellow. Mm-hmm. And it's real enthusiastic, but then the yellow's been there a while, and by the end, he's like, yellow, yeah, still yellow. <laughs> oh, by the way, like, still yellow. Like, <laughs> I'm yep. still seeing yellow wavelengths of light, yo, you know. I don't know why, down. but my mind's just going to that a scene from Monty Python Holy Grail where Sir Lancelot is running towards the castle <laughs> and the guards doom, are standing doom, there doom, doom. and he just and keeps running closer. and running and running and he's not getting any closer but they're still just staring yep. at him. Anyway, sorry, keep and going. And the guards like yellow, <laughs> right? So yeah. that's when just the yellow wave like then after you've stared at this yellow like weird fucky version of the flag that's yellow mm-hmm. and then you stare at white light so as we've already said, white light is all the wavelengths. Yes. So yes. you still got yellow, but you also have blue. So our yellow guy's like, yeah, there's still yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still seeing yellow, but the blue guy's like, holy shit, there's blue, there's blue. By the way, there's blue. And he's like full of beans because he hasn't been on watch all night already mm-hmm. reporting the yellow. Mm-hmm. And so our eyes go, oh, yeah, folks, we have blue. And mm-hmm. like you perceive blue. Yeah, yeah. Now, why don't you see green or red? Well, because also, like, white light has has red light. Yeah. So the red guy also wakes up and is like, yeah, red, red. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got red. Mm-hmm. We Mate, mate, we got red. Yeah. But so does the green guy. The green guy is like, oh, 
green. But because green, they're green, opposing colours, they they cancel, cancel each out. other out. Right. And and so you don't see them. So you the, you only see the blue. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense because when when staring at the white thing, I've never thought of that as mm. you're looking at white light. When you look at a yeah. black canvas, you're looking at all of the light because you're just like no, it's you are white, looking it's blank, at you're white looking light. at nothing. You're not looking at nothing. You're looking at everything. But because so you've what got- you're doing is essentially you've you've habituated or tired out or mm-hmm. made bored or whatever language analogy example you want to use mm-hmm. the color that you've been staring at like those photoreceptors are tired they, they you know sorry not photoreceptors it happens mm. kind of later down but like mm-hmm. those the analogy of the guards the, the the part responsible for reporting that has habituated mm-hmm. and so you just see the opposing color but if they're both there, they cancel out. That is a very Fucking... good analogy. I like that. And that makes total sense now. I get why that yeah. works now. Okay. And so, like, that is important to acknowledge that that phenomenon exists yes. later in the brain. And the brain factors in this kind of, like, opposing green, red, mm. yellow into the incredibly And I get why that would be, like, experience an opposing theory to the tricolor thing because this opposing thing sort of implies that mm. there's four. There's four But colors, the other one right? says that there's three. But clearly yeah. they both are a thing because one's at the initial receiving of the light and the other one's yeah. in the processing of it. So why does yellow so, suddenly exist? Because yellow, we later found out, Young and Helmholtz were on the money. We have three different cone photoreceptors in the eye. Confirmed. But then those photoreceptors join later down the circuit. Our blue ones join to like blue, but then you've got your red ones joining your red, red one. But then for yellow, you've got your red and your green. Because remember, you you mix red and yellow. Uh, you mix blue. red and green light and you get yellow light. Yes. And I'll explain how, So, but like very briefly, right, you shine a yellow wavelength at your eyes, mm-hmm. it's going to set off both the green and the red. That's why oh, okay. we're like, oh, yellow. And and so your green and your red then form your yellow in the later down the processing. Right. But, but, but to make all of that make sense, I need to just like back it up a hot second. <laughs> okay. Because God, we're going deep because this topic is just so cool and I'm so sorry that this is a long you're episode. You're just dangling this carrot th- throughout the whole episode of this one thing and be like, we'll get to that. And I'm so it feels excited. feels like our tears episode all over again. <laughs> onion tears. Listen to our whole episode and you will find out my onions make you cry. But all of um, the other stuff is still so interesting. So please tell me. I know, me. exactly. And it makes the final... You know, all of it, the richer when you have all the mm-hmm. backstory. I've got to do the world building first, all right? Just sit through it. I just want to quickly uh, say I've just noticed the flannel you're wearing and how it's got, like, multi-colors as well. All of the colors. Was that on I purpose? Know, no one else can see this, but uh, no, I was just wearing this today, but sure. <laughs> um. Anyway, continue, continue, continue. We must digress. We did digress, and now let's regress? No, wrong word. I thought let's digress not. was to keep on... Anyway. Digress is to... I thought that was to dive anyway. Anyway, no, me not say, knowing oh, what words I digress, are which means oh, I. I thought oh, anyway. I digress would be like sorry for anyway. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> so let's talk about cones. Uh, let's 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 go back to talking about trichromatic color vision because mm-hmm. now it's not just a fucking theory. We have discovered the biological mechanisms for this shit. In the eye. It's not Mm -hmm. just people turning dials and being like, hey, isn't it funny we can make all the colours out of three? Mm -hmm. It's people going, oh, my God, look on a molecular level. We have 
three different types of light detecting cell. Well, we got four different types of light detecting cells in the eye. Because the rods. rods. But then we got our three cones. We see you, Rod. We see you. (laughs) We see you, but we don't care right now. (laughs) Later. Later. Uh, (laughs) And each of these three cones contain three different types of what we call photopigments. Okay. Which is essentially the molecule that the photons do the thingy with. And they're sensitive to different wavelengths of light. And they are, in fact, what we call L, M, and S, which is like long, medium, and short. Okay. Some people call them... Red, green, and blue. Green and blue. Not strictly speaking accurate. The first thing that you need to understand is it's not just like an on-off switch. It's not like this cell switches on for red light Mm -hmm. and doesn't switch on for anything else. Like all of these have like a bell curve kind of thing that encapsulates a range of wavelengths. So if you picture, you know, whenever you see the visible light spectrum and you Mm. see that rainbow of of lights and their different wavelengths and whatever... Mm And picture like a bell curvy type thing. Three intersecting bell And they curves. all overlap yeah. with each other. Okay. And that's really important. I'm with you. So essentially, like they all have a peak of their sensitivity and that's where the cell is going to react like the most violently. It's going to send the mm. strongest signal. Mm-hmm. And so the peak for what we call the L or the long or the red mm. one, that that peak in sensitivity is around 500 to 500, 560 to 580 nanometers, which mm-hmm. is actually kind of yellow. It, oh, shit. Okay. Um, Interesting. But, but the reason we call it red is because it's the only one that, that responds red. to red light. None of the others, the tails of their bell curve... <sighs> Don't get into the red part of the That's spectrum. That's why when I set my LEDs to red, it looks like the dimmest of all of the lights because there's only one cone in my eyes yeah. that can pick it up. 100% Amazing. nailing it. Amazing. Awesome. I, I, uh, fun <laughs> fact, the, the red curve, like it has that peak around yellow and then mm. it also has like a weird little bump down the end. Huh. Sensitive to violet. It's real strange. Can't okay. explain Good for it. You, but G. Go hard. It's the only one that's like that. Um, so, yeah, red or yellow light can re- make this one like react a lot. Green mm-hmm. light, the tail of this one, green right, light makes the L cone react like a little bit. Mm-hmm. Blue light does absolutely nothing for it. And then violet makes it react a little bit Weird. weirdly. Okay. Um, then you got your M cones, mm-hmm. which are most sensitive to green light. And we okay. call them the green ones, medium ones, which yep. is around like they're most sensitive around 530 to 540 nanometers. Mm-hmm. But like once again, it's like a bell curve. So they'll, you know, react a little bit either side mm-hmm. of green on the rainbow. And then you've got your S cones, which are most sensitive to blue around 420 to 440 mm. nanometers. Um but also it has that tail that overlaps earlier. So it's not just a case of like on, off, on, off. Yes, we have these three colors. What happens? You get wavelengths of like, the best way to do it, I think, is to to actually picture that rainbow spectrum and to picture three random bell curves that all overlap. Yeah. And then pick a wavelength. Let's pick like... Pink. Pink. All right. What about pink? Pink is a weird one, actually. It's interesting that you bring up pink. Because, no, but, like, think about that rainbow. Is pink on it? Think about that visual. Uh, pink is not on that. When, there is no pink in that. Do you know uh, how we see pink? So pink is lots of red light. So yeah. it's where L cones react lots to lots of red light. Mm. But then also the M and the S cones react a little because there's a little bit of everything else, which mm. is, you know, your white light. Yeah. So you're essentially getting a, like, a bit of white to your red. And so you have a lot of pink is just red plus white. 
in 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 yeah. paint form at least. But then yeah, also in light, pink is where yeah, lots of red light and a little bit of everything else. Oh, so your cute. brain goes, "Oh, my L cones are going, you know, yeah. they're going hard. My M and S are going a little." Mm. Conclusion: Pink. Right? Right. Yellow. My favorite color is yellow. Where's yellow at? Right? Because that's that's like the peak of the the L curve, right? Because that's sort of around yellow. Yeah. But then also the M cone, which is the green, overlaps at yellow, which is why I was saying like red plus green makes yellow. Because you right. hit it with yellow light, it's going to activate the, the L cone like a lot, but then also the M cone a bit. Mm. And so... But the cool thing, the cool thing, the, the cool, cool thing. thing, this is where I'm going to like blow your mind. I'm ready. Or at least I think I am. I'm ready. There are two very different ways that you can do that exact same thing. So you can shoot like actual yellow light at your eyes, right? Like mm. light that is of the wavelength of the right nanometers or the frequent, the right frequency mm. for us to call it yellow, right? Mm -hmm. And what that's going to do is it's going to make the L cone do a lot. It's yep. going to make the M cone do a bit, and your okay. brain's going to go, oh, yellow. Do you know how else you can do that? How? You can shoot red light, a lot of red light, yeah. at that L cone mm -hmm. to make it go crazy. Yeah. You can shoot a bit of green light yeah. at that M cone uh -huh. to make it do a little bit, and it's having the exact same cellular reaction to what yellow light would do. Right. Right. And so your brain's going to go, oh, hoy, that's yellow. But it's not. It's actually red and green. It's red and green, but it's tricking your brain into thinking it's yellow. Yeah. Oh, my because God. Because at that point where those curves overlap can either be, inter like, is interpreted as yellow, but you can separately activate those two curves. And it still tricks right your brain amount. because of just the way our brains are wired. And that's why we can change those three dials oh, in different ways and to still match get all of yellow the colors. light. Oh, because, fuck. yeah, that's why the we can do those color matching experiments because we can trick the three different mm. cones in our brain just the right amount that our brain goes, oh, it must be that wavelength where they intercept. But it's not. <sighs> that's really fucking cool. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. So that's, and that's, that's where the bridge again, is. That's where the bridge is. How between, televisions work. And, and that's how we can connect that tri-color theory, which is confirmed with the opposing color thing, which also we can know is a thing by doing it ourselves at home, by doing this mm -hmm. fucking look at a white wall after looking at a, looking at a negative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had totally forgotten that this was a thing, um, but there is a V-Source mm. video on it that's called this is not yellow. And the thumbnail of it is just like a yellow square. Mm. But of course, because you're watching it on a computer or a phone, mm. it's not yellow because mm -hmm. it's just using the tricolor display green. thing. So we'll put a link to that in the description. But I had totally forgotten the entire content of that video, which is oh. wonderful because we got to have the reveal I here on the I wish I'd watched that video. But I will, I'm going to go watch that. Watch it Watch it after we record this. Um, and yeah. listeners, let's watch it as well because it's a good time. Um, but yeah. And so, like, this is a good segue into, like, color blindness, right? Because, I mean, there are lots of different color types of color blindness, and the, ter the term is misleading in and of itself. But, you know, so people with normal color vision, they're called trichromats because they have these three different cones that can register those three mm -hmm. different things and come up with all the colors that we can come up with based on these different levels, and it's hell cool. Mm -hmm. Some people are dichromats. Uh, some animals, dogs, 
For example, uh, right. dichromats, they only have two different types of cones, approximately blue and yellow. Okay. Right? So they, they see fewer colors than we do. They don't see the world in black and white. So they but don't they have just the, don't see as many colors. They don't have the middle one. What do trees look like to them if they can't see yeah. green? Wild. Whack. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know, because they only have where those two curves overlap to create. I wonder what that know, would mean. They can't get as much of You should do an experiment in your room with your dog and just have your green lights on and see what he can see. If he if he can't see the green wavelength, but you're only showing the green wavelength. Well, I mean he still has he still has rods and, and oh, rods true. are actually quite sensitive to green wavelengths of light. So he'd still see light, it'd just okay. be black and white. True. All right. Never mind. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Um, or this is where, you know, you have the mantis shrimp that has 16 different mm. cones and your mind absolutely explodes at how many different colors that we can't even conceptualize. Like if we can discriminate as many colors as we can using just three, mm. imagine having access to 16, like, holy fuck. I want to know what a mantis shrimp sees on LSD. Oh God. <laughs> I just want to know what a mantis shrimp sees like... <laughs> Day to day, you know, sober, <laughs> like, fuck. All right, up it, why don't you? But, like, yes, so with colorblindness, if you mm. want to think about, you know, the only true colorblind is if you're what's called a monochromat and you only have one okay. type of cone, which is very rare. Uh, like, it can happen, but it's monochromatic. very rare. Monochromatic. Normally what I've heard of monochromatic yeah. when you're just someone who wears, like, black and white or whatever. Exactly, because the only the only kind of scale direction that you have is like how bright or how dark, right? Yeah, the color is. Yeah. Um. So normally, when we're talking about color blindness, we're talking about something called anomalous trichromacy, which is where you have all three types of cones, mm. but they're not all like all those curves, those like bell curve wavelength, like are not where they should be. So, like in in red green colorblind, for example, either the L cones. Um, curve has shifted more towards where the M cone is or the M has shifted towards the L. So even though you've got two different types of cones, they're kind of responding to the same wavelength. Yeah, okay. And so that's why you find it hard to discriminate between shades of green and red because okay. those cones aren't responding differently. They're responding the same to red and green. Yeah, that makes um, sense. I yeah. wonder if a colorblind person would then see those wavelengths of color more brightly than other wavelengths of color because like for a trichromat mm, like us because like with red light is dimmer because it's only being mm. received by one cone but then other lights are brighter because they're being received by more so mm. then those colors are getting received by more cones than a normal trichromat would see um mm. yeah i don't know just a thought interesting interesting thought haven't looked into it uncertain how to answer that's all right um you know what I have so much more to say about color, but I really think that I need to end it there because we still have a listener question to get through. And we're through already and... so over time. <laughs> but, but you it's know just, what? It's just but that's, such a... That's how like, amazing and complex and diverse of a topic it is that and like we haven't interdisciplinary. touched... We haven't like touched on all of the physics. We haven't touched on all of the biology. We haven't touched on all of the psychology. We haven't touched on all of the philosophy. The philosophy, you know, uh, but... Hey, maybe, point. maybe, maybe in a, maybe we can do a color part two sometime. Mm. Not next episode, but you know, maybe sometime soon. Maybe one I want to learn more about it. <laughs> um, because, oh, the whole thing is just incredible. And just the way, just the fact that like, oh, everything that has to go right for us to have the rich 
perception of the world around us, which is literally just wibbly wobbly photons <laughs> hitting our eyeballs, doing oh fuck me, it's just it's cool, it's really cool. <laughs> um, but we're gonna we're gonna shift we're gonna shift, shift mood and shift red tone shift. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Red shift. We've talked about uh, red no, shift. That's shift. color. Ah. That's Sorry. color. Um, no, shift tone a little bit from the the vast amazingness of our vivid perception of life and talk about, I guess, content warning. We're going to be talking about, like, corpses and stuff. Oh, my. So, (laughs) you know, if that ain't your jam, listen anyway. It's cool shit. Um, So we have a listener question, as we always do. If you're new to the show, listener questions, you can send them in, curiosityright at gmail.com. We have a listener question, courtesy of George, which is... How do scientists figure out how long a body has been dead for? Oh my, quite the concept shift. (laughs) Is it possible to be as accurate as crime shows make you believe? And like, I don't know, it's been a while since I've watched a crime show. I don't know how accurate Mm. um, crime shows claim to be. Do crime shows be like, hey, this person died at 7.54pm and 32 seconds because no, you can't Mm. be that accurate. Um, In fact, you like... (laughs) Fundamentally, you cannot be very accurate right. at all, but you can kind of give a ballpark. And if you like, if you ever watch the news or see, like, you know, read a crime report, I don't know why you would be doing that. <laughs> but like, if you did, what you would see is a range or a time frame, not mm-hmm. an exact time, okay. because there are so many factors at play in terms of like how a body decomposes essentially which is what you're looking at which is what's used to estimate time so like i know this is not a super satisfying answer but what i will give you is (laughs) how how scientists are able to study like the physical changes that happen in a body after death like they measure things like body temperature Mm -hmm. the color of the skin Mm -hmm. like you know how like pale it's gone um the degree of rigor mortis you've probably heard of like the stiffness of death like, but it's, it's it's not just rigor mortis. There are actually four main post-mortem signs that you can look at that tell a lot about the time of death. Okay. Um, and they all happen within the first, like, 24 to 72 hours after the heart stops beating and the nervous system shuts down. Yeah, okay. After that, it gets a bit dicey. You can look at things like insects breeding in the... Ah. It's a whole other thing. But we're just going to talk about these initial four stages of death that mm-hmm. are used to kind of, like, pinpoint... Like if you happen to find the body within the first couple of days, mm-hmm. this is this these are the things that you'd be looking for. Mm-hmm. So stage one, it's called palomortis, uh, because palo pale, it's 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 the paleness. So after the heart stops beating, the circulation of blood throughout the body obviously decreases. Of course. So organs furthest away from the heart, like the skin, mm-hmm. stop receiving blood, which you know blood color. Yeah. It goes pale. Of course. So paleness generally appears within the first 15 to 30 minutes after death. And it's one of the first identifiable signs of death in the body. So the palace is there. You're like, right. Mm. It's been dead at least 15 minutes to half an hour. Cool. Mm. Then you've got alga mortis, which is to do with the body temperature. Mm -hmm. So humans are fantastic at maintaining a constant internal body temperature, right? They, you know, it's like what between like, it's like always stays between like two or yeah, and then, like, if it goes more than, like, three or four degrees out of whack, like, you're in trouble, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, we're like we're very good at like balancing all of the heat that we create through our like metabolic reactions with the heat that we like sweat out and and lose and radiate yeah. and whatever. But without the heart beating, the blood can't distribute this heat and regulate body temperature because that's a big part of it is that mm. the blood is what kind of carries the heat and keeps right. it like, distributed, takes it more to the surface. That's why you get really flushed when you're hot because ah. it's the blood trying to take the heat to the surface where it can like well, get go. the fuck away from your body. That's a fun right? little fact. So without the heart, the body temperature like decreases. Okay. Like it, it loses, like it, it, you know, if the... Well, if the external temperature, mm-hmm. the the body temperature doesn't necessarily decrease, but if the external temperature is less than 37 degrees, which is our standard mm. kind of body temperature, then the body temperature will decrease. And we know that without the heart beating to regulate this, the body temperature mm-hmm. is going to decrease two degrees within the first hour mm-hmm. and then continue to decrease by one degree every hour after that. Okay. So we can then like back calculate the time of death based on the temperature with the asterisk that this is not super accurate because it can be varied by like how cold or hot it is outside, yeah. how much clothes the corpse is wearing. Like there are so many, but you know, you still, yeah. we, we use it as a data point. A, a quick um, aside while we're on temperature, because you said like when a person gets warm uh that they end up flushed because the blood Mm -hmm. rushes to the skin to exhaust Mm -hmm. that temperature if it's quite cold externally is that why Mm -hmm. your skin might go blue or 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 get get a little bit more white does the question Mm. being yeah it would be it'd be the it'd be the opposite could that be why frostbite might happen in a colder environment because your blood is focused on keeping your internal body temperature up and yeah, might be extre- less we don't incur- care about the extremities. The extremities can, can fall sacrifice. off as long as your organs are fine. Yep. So that's why that yep. happens. Okay, yep. cool. Exactly. Awesome. awesome. Uh and that's why we like shiver because that produces heat. Yeah, yeah. You know. Cool. Yeah. Our bodies are very good at thermoregulation. It's really cool. Yay, the human body. Um love the human body. <laughs> but when it dies, what happens next is rigor mortis. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> So, like, I mean, as we've all heard, rigor mortis, the stiffness, you know, it's the contraction of the muscles in the body after death. Mm. But that doesn't happen straight away. Before rigor mortis, all the body... <laughs> I can, I'm laughing with anticipation because I know you're going to laugh at okay, this. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, but before rigor mortis, all the body's muscles actually relax in a step called primary flaccidity. <laughs> called it. Um, because I'm a child w- when we die, I mean, okay, let brain death, right? Yeah, brain or when we die, the brain activity decreases until it completely stops. And mm-hmm. without the brain giving the muscles signals to cr- contract, the muscles remain in a relaxed state. That's what happens first. Primary flaccidity, okay. it lasts one to two hours after death, right? Um, and during that time, real fun things happen, like. The corpse releases urine and gas. Oh, and, like the whole you know, thing. If all you, of you, the, you shit yourself. Those when you muscles die and... all relax. All mm. the muscles relax. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then after the primary facility, we get our rigor mortis, okay. which is where all the muscles will stiffen up, and it's because the cells in the body are being eaten alive by the digestive enzymes. Oh. A process called autolysis or autolysis depending mm. on who you ask but it's yeah it's it's autolysis it's where the cells lyse them they eat 
the digestive enzymes eat the cells. Right. And what happens, what's important about this is that when the cells are broken down, mm. a whole bunch of calcium that's normally stored inside the cells gets released. And calcium is what makes muscles contract. So with oh. all this extra calcium just suddenly, like, free to do its thing, all the muscles go, huh, and contract. But then there's no energy to tell the muscles to stop contracting. So they stay contracted until they decompose. Ah, well, there you go. I One, I didn't know that calcium caused muscles to contract. And two, mm. didn't know that's why that happened. I had heard that... um. Meat is no good after rigor mortis has set in, which mm -hmm. is why after you've slaughtered an animal, you need to kind of harvest it Fresh meat. pretty oh. quickly before rigor mortis sets in, which is why, like, um, mm -hmm. among other reasons, roadkill doesn't often make good meat because by the time mm. you get to the point where you could harvest that meat, rigor mortis quite often may have set in and diseases and other things too. It's you know, disgustingly fascinating. Fun facts with omnivores. Um, <laughs> mm, mm, omnivore. Omnivore. Singular. Omnivore. Uh, <laughs> fun fact with the uh, podcast's resident omnivore. <laughs> so secondary flaccidity. Oh, there's two? <laughs> <laughs> so you know how I said they, the muscles stay contracted until they start to decompose? Yeah, yeah. Well, they start to decompose or degenerate, and mm. that is what's called secondary flaccidity, where the digestive enzymes... They get started on the proteins in the muscles now. Ah. The, you know, the machinery literally keeping them contracted. Those mm. eventually are going to get digested as well. Yeah. And so, like, forensic scientists can use this progression of, like, muscle relaxation to stiffening to relaxation again to estimate time of death. And mm. it's much more reliable than the alga mortis, which was the temperature one, because it isn't affected by external conditions as much right. it's like it's a pretty standard because it's all of the stuff happens, inside happens, us eating us from the inside out yeah fun yeah foul but yeah right like <laughs> rude but okay. it's good to know that when we die our ecosystem will live on a little bit longer you know yeah yeah it, it wastes no time being like right getting to work extra fuel <laughs> let's do it um there's one more, there's one more stage that gets used that can kind of give some indication, not only mm -hmm. about time of death, but also kind of about, not necessarily like a method of death, but well, like it can kind of give some extra clues towards cause. And it's what's called liver mortis, which like, okay. So normally, once again, heart is beating, blood is everywhere in the body. We don't mm -hmm. care about gravity. We have a heart to defy gravity and mm -hmm. pump our blood up. Yeah. Heart stops. Gravity is suddenly a thing again. Blood is subject to the forces of gravity right. and it will distribute to where the gravity is, right? Yeah. It pulls where the gravity is the strongest. Okay. So if you die lying down on your back mm -hmm. with your like fingers and toes upright, like you're going to end up with like a purple back. Ah, okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, and like if you died, for example, hanging, right? It, it might pull in your feet. hands and feet. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. know? And the reason it goes purple, so essentially this kind of pooling of the blood process starts around 15 to 30 minutes after death, but it mm. starts to become visible after two hours as just kind of like blood. Mm. But then it kind of turns purpley and bruisey because this lividity, it, like it becomes fixed. Like it doesn't just happen and then go away. Like it, mm. it fixes in place because the blood vessels, like the blood gets there, but then the blood vessels begin to break down. Yeah. Okay. Um, like after eight to 12 hours, a purple kind of color develops almost like a bruise because the deoxygenation 
of hemoglobin, mm. which is what makes our blood red, like it gets deoxygenated into deoxyhemoglobin, makes sense, which is a yeah. bluey purple color. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all like disintegrates and and so it just it like it doesn't fade even when the body is moved. So it can die in that position and as long as it stays in that position for like, you know, eight hours or whatever. So what you I'm can, like, hearing stand it is up and it'll oxygen still have a purple black absorbs blue light. Because once it leaves, it starts to turn more of a bluey purple color. I mean, it's a hypothesis. The pigment is in the hemoglobin rather than deoxygen. Like it's not as simple as oxygen absorbing blue light. It's that when oxygen binds, mm. the whole molecule changes shape, and it's the shape of that molecule that mm. either reflects or. And also, that wouldn't light. work because li- liquid oxygen looks blue. So. <laughs> So yeah, it's, All of it's to do wrong, with but... it's to do with the shapes of the molecules and okay. binding of certain, you know, elements to different molecules make them change shape, mm. and that different shape reflects or absorbs light. Okay. But essentially, yeah, that color stays fixed in position because everything's degenerated, and mm. so like you can yeah estimate how long ago it died, but also in what position it was when it died. Um, so all of that is really cool, but only really works within those first 72 hours, any longer than that. And you, yeah. You're you probably to starting to, methods, yeah, but... look at external factors like how much is a bug eating this or. Yeah. Or like really cool things in terms of like life cycles of like, they know certain particular insects will have a life cycle of a certain number of days and they'll be like, oh, well, they've laid eggs and they're at, like, this stage. They're, like, the larvae. Therefore, whatever. They can calculate hell cool things just looking at stuff like that. Again, that's some cool interdisciplinary kind of thing coming together to work out the solutions Yeah, I think it's called forensic entomology and it's a whole field of forensics and it's, like, disgusting but cool. Um... (laughs) I should try find one to be a guest and come on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be pretty mm. cool. True crime episode mm. of Curiosity Killed the Rat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, George, I hope that answers your, your morbid curiosity question. Yeah, your morbid curiosity. Like, I don't know what crime shows you've been watching, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I actually found it morbidly. I find this stuff cool yeah. in a weird sort of way because, you know. If we make it scientific, then we don't have to feel grief, right? <laughs> and so with that, folks, you can find us on social media at Curiosity Rat. We are on right Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We have a Patreon. We try really hard on these episodes. I put a lot of time and energy into researching this stuff. And Matt puts a lot of time and energy into editing it together mm-hmm. for your ears. So if you do happen to you know have some money and want to support this cause of making science accessible no matter your level of education no matter your level of privilege no matter your level of money like you can find us on patreon forward slash curiosity rat minimum dollar a month simple as that and if you have a listener question you can email it in curiosity rat at gmail.com it's been a lengthy one, folks. It's been a wild one. It's been a whack one. But it wasn't I hope planned to be as long, ride. but that's just kind of how the discussion went. And I'm for it. it and just, I hope you I just guys got into it. were and as so engaged as I was in that because I found all of that so incredibly fascinating. Um, so we hope yeah, you did too. Like, I probably could have made that, like, I mean, when I learned about 
color vision in undergrad. Mm. I, I think it was like a whole lecture series of three or four lectures. So, you know, I think I did well. To, to compress that into an hour. Truncate that and add so the physics. We'll see, uh, we'll see what length the episode horn. ends up being once I've edited it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I hope you've stuck around for the ride. If you have, we appreciate you. Uh, Thanks, everyone. Tune in next time. Peace. Bye. So yes, the physics, the the light, the color of an object. Fuck. Correct. Well said. You know, I'm just going to edit out all of our previous discussion and just include that because I think it perfectly surmises the whole topic. Physics, color, <laughs> fuck. Fuck.